Welcome to everyone joining us online from wherever you are in the world. My name is Willie, and I'm one of the pastors uh, here at Willingdon. I have the privilege of kicking off our Christmas series, Light in the Shadows. If there has ever been a time that has felt like we are living in the shadows, I think it's now. If you are under the age of 70 and have grown up in the West, you have likely never experienced a time in history when the whole world has felt this foggy. We have questions like, how long will this season last? We don't know. How deep will the health, economic, or mental, or spiritual impact be? We don't know. How do we plan for the future? We don't know. How do we decide what we are doing for family gatherings at Christmas? We don't know. How do you find light in the shadows? There's so much that we don't know right now. But I will tell you something about COVID that I do know. COVID has proven to be a powerful revealer of what we have built our lives on. COVID reveals our fears, our dependencies, and our insecurities. What has COVID revealed to you? I asked that question recently on my Facebook, and I got quite a, quite a group of responses. I asked people to tell me how COVID has affected their lives physically, uh, relationally, or spiritually. Some people told me stories of frustration as they watch friends and family uh, deal with health issues and suffer in isolation due to COVID restrictions. Personally, I experienced this frustration when my mother was admitted to hospital in Winnipeg and was not allowed any visitors. Now, thankfully, she's home now, but I had to cancel my trip to go see my mom and dad because I was not allowed to enter their building. Others wrote about emotional and mental anguish that COVID restrictions were causing in their lives. COVID has had such an impact on us. Perhaps you've read, as I have, that anxiety has increased tenfold. People are anxious over their health, the economy, their jobs, their loved ones. Constantly changing restrictions are confusing and frustrating. For instance, should I vandalize the car with Alberta plates or should I be nice to them? Okay, just kidding. Be nice to everyone with out-of-province plates. You don't know why they are here. I was also struck by how unique each person's situation is. The combination of events, experiences, and challenges are so different for each person. There is no standard way that people are experiencing COVID. Now, COVID has revealed where we need hope. I think it is very timely that the first weekend of Advent is when the hope candle is lit. If we need anything today, it's hope. We also need to remember that this is not the first time in history people have needed hope. There have been many dark days when people felt hopeless. Today's text speaks into one of those times in history when hope was needed. But we're not just looking for inspiration from history. The words of God spoken to people 2,500 years ago speak directly into our lives today. So take your Bible or take your, your app or tablet, whatever you may have, and turn into, into the Old Testament book of Isaiah. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Isaiah, I'll give you a quick overview of the book. The book of Isaiah provides us with the most comprehensive prophetic picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. It includes the full scope of his life, the announcement of his coming, 
in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 to 5. His virgin birth in Isaiah 7, 14. His proclamation of the good news, Isaiah 61, 1. And his sacrificial death, Isaiah 52 and 53. And his return to claim those who have been faithful to him in Isaiah 60. This echoes the meaning of Isaiah's name, which means salvation of Yahweh or salvation of God. The early chapters in Isaiah detail judgments against the people who have turned their backs on God, showing us that those who persist in rebellion will receive judgment. On the other hand, we also see God's faithfulness to his promise. God miraculously miraculously holds out hope to his unrepentant people, offering the cleansing of sins and the blessing that comes with faith and obedience in him. Salvation or hope only lies in God. The only question is whether we will accept his offer of salvation, of forgiveness. In Isaiah 39, Isaiah predicted that Judah, the people of Judah, would be led into exile in Babylon in 586 BC. Just over a century later, that happened. The Babylonian army overwhelmed Jerusalem and then led the survivors off to captivity. Not what God had planned, but what the people chose by refusing to follow God. Now, in Babylonian exile, God's people are defeated, bitter, disillusioned. They think God has failed them. And Isaiah shows us the attitude of the people in Isaiah 40, verse 27. When he asks the people, he says, O Jacob, which is another way of saying, O people, how can God say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? The people felt forgotten and abandoned by God in their Babylonian captivity. They had taken their eyes off God, but he had not taken their eyes off, his eyes off of them. Now, I love Isaiah's encouraging reminder to the people uh, recorded in the next two verses. Listen to Isaiah 40 verses uh, 28 and 29. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. It seems to me that it is easy for us to think just as the Israelites did. We get preoccupied with our current struggles and we take our eyes off of God or we ignore him completely. It's easy to live in the shadows. And if you are living in the shadows, if you think God has forgotten you, or if you have never really looked to God, this message is for you. Why? God sees you even when you think he has forgotten you. God sees you even when you think he has forgotten you. And Isaiah 40, the book of Isaiah, takes this turn. It's a new beginning. And Isaiah's message turns the corner from judgment to hope. And God reveals to his people that even though they are off in exile because of their rebellion against him, God has a new promise for them, a promise of hope and of a future. Why does God's message uh, shift from discipline to comfort? Why not just comfort? That's what we're all looking for, isn't it? God knows that both messages are needed. Why? See, God takes sin seriously because God is just. God tells us that everyone who acts unjustly must be punished. Now, I think we want God to be just because we want justice. We look around our world. We see so much injustice, so much hurt, so much manipulation, so many self-serving actions by so many people, and we are so frustrated. 
when we see people commit crimes and seemingly never be brought to justice. That's why we've had all these demonstrations sparked by the killing of George Floyd. Incidentally, that is also why I love, on a personal level, the instant karma driving videos on Facebook. They make my day because it's instant justice when someone gets caught by a policeman right after they've cut someone off. We want to see justice and discipline, especially for others. But we are also looking for grace and comfort for ourselves. Now, that's the beauty of Christianity. Christianity shows that God's ultimate, ultimate intention towards us is comfort and care. How could it be anything else? If his focus was simply uh, on our sins, our selfishness, as people, we, had, we would have no hope, no future, nothing to look forward to. But in reality, Christianity is all about God's saving grace and comforting grace. He overrules our sinful selfishness with his own absolute pardon through the selfless sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Jesus, who took on the consequences of our sin and gave us grace instead. Do we sin? Obviously. Do we suffer for it? Yes. Is that where God leaves us? No, not at all. When discipline has done its good, his, its good work in us, God comes back with overflowing comfort. He still calls us his own, even when we are off in exile even when we are being disciplined. And Isaiah is telling the Israelites that there will be an end to their captivity, even though they needed to be disciplined for their unfaithfulness. It will come to an end because of God's graciousness and God's plan for his people and for the world. I like how uh, Pastor Professor uh, Eugene Peterson translated verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah 40. He wrote, Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak softly and tenderly to Jerusalem, but also make it very clear that she has served her sentence, that her sin is taken care of, forgiven. She's been punished enough and more than enough, and now it's over and done with. This passage reminds me of something that happened uh, with our firstborn son, Josh, uh, when he was about five or six months old. He was overtired and he was crying hysterically. He was out of control uh, and we're trying to get him to sleep in his crib. He wouldn't settle down. Now, as new parents, we were not sure what to do. We kind of run out of ideas. And I had an idea that came into my mind and I just placed my hand over his body, over his chest, and I pressed down gently so he couldn't squirm around anymore. He was agitated, squirmed for a bit, but as the warmth of my hand and the comfort of my hand sort of took over, over the next minute, under that constant warm pressure and comfort, he fell asleep. That's the picture I see. God's people are agitated. And now God, through Isaiah, is saying, comfort, comfort my people, like a loving father comforts their infant son. God comforts us because he is gracious. In this text, uh, Jerusalem, a synonym for God's people, was to be addressed tenderly as the mother would speak to her child. The 70-year captivity uh, was seen as almost over. Judah's captivity, uh, Isaiah described it as the hardships of war. And that time of trial had come because of her sin. But now her sin had been paid for so God's blessing could begin again. Their time of suffering was ending. And that is the beauty of God's grace. Even though people, the people of Judah had failed God profoundly, even though they had rejected his care and provision, leadership and love, 
he took the gracious initiative to forgive them. God does the same with us. God comes after us. He pursues us with his grace, his love, and forgiveness. Friends, here's God's word to you today. Even if you have wandered away from him during this pandemic, even if you have turned your back on him because life has not gone as you planned it, it would or you expected it to, even if you have never considered putting your faith in God for some reason, but you are listening to this message today, God is calling you back to himself. The Bible tells us that God's kindness leads to repentance in the book of Romans. It is the kindness of God that leads people to turn from their rejection of him, admit their rebellion against him, and ask for their sins to be forgiven. It is the kindness of God that convicts us of our sin through the work of the Holy Spirit so we can find healing and hope and forgiveness in Jesus. God's invitation to his people was to turn away from the things they had chosen that took them away from their relationship with God and to turn back to him, to prepare for his arrival, and to live in renewal, in relationship with him. So what does this text say to our current situation today? What does this text say to our COVID-obsessed world? What does God want to speak into our fears, our distractions, our pain, and our speculations? I want to address a few of the things I see and hear people grappling with. Now, people have asked if COVID is God's punishment on our world. I have also been asked if COVID is the devil's plan to destroy the church. Now, I do not believe personally that either of these are factors in what is happening. We have known for years that the world was ripe for a pandemic. Doctors have warned governments to prepare many times over, and we have not listened. The pandemic is a natural consequence of globalization. The free passage of people from one country to another has made us more susceptible than ever to the spread of disease. Now, is this the devil's attempt to shut down churches? The devil has been trying to shut down churches for 2,000 years, and he will continue to do so. COVID, government intervention, persecution of Christians as 260 million followers of Jesus experience today has not and will not stop the advancement of God's kingdom and the good news of Jesus Christ. Thankfully, Jesus promised that to us. Jesus said he will build his church. Now, Others have questioned if COVID is part of a big conspiracy by governments to gain greater control over people. Or is it a power play by some multinational corporations? Others have apocalyptic theories of what's going on. Frankly, as a Christ follower, it does not matter to me, or me if there are other hidden agendas running. Now, why would I say that? How can I be so flippant? Friends, Throughout history, people have tried to manipulate governments and economies for their benefit or for the benefit of a group that wants to be in power. This is not a new idea. If our hope, if your hope, if my hope is in a government, the economy, or human leadership, we should be worried. Governments have a God-given responsibility to lead well, but governments are filled with broken people with mixed motives. They are not our salvation. And because I know God is sovereign and is in control of history and of the future and of my life, if I give it to him, then I don't need to worry. COVID is a reminder of God's invitation to us, actually. Now, what's that invitation? 
Listen to the words of Isaiah in verse 3. Isaiah said, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What is the invitation? Now, remember I said earlier that the book of Isaiah provides us with the most comprehensive prophetic picture of Jesus Christ and the entire Old Testament. Isaiah is prophesying, he's foretelling the coming of the Messiah, of Jesus. He's telling the people of Judah that the king, the real king, is coming. The one who will restore God's kingdom. The one who will bring forgiveness of sins, healing for brokenness, and comfort for the, for the afflicted. He is saying this will happen, and it did happen 500 years later, as was announced by the, by the writer Luke in Luke chapter 3, verses 2 to 4, where it says, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written, John said, uh, in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. God is inviting us to get ready. God is inviting us to get ready. Now, what is God's invitation for us today? If you do know Jesus, God is inviting you into, if you, sorry, if you do not know Jesus, God is inviting you into a relationship with him. Turn from your rejection of God, which is sin. Accept God's forgiveness by putting your faith in Jesus and receiving his forgiveness for your sin, receiving his grace. If you do know Jesus, I believe he is inviting his followers to get ready. I believe he's saying, prepare the way for me to bring renewal to your hearts and to your lives. Prepare the way for me to come in greater presence and fullness. How do you get ready? It's simple, but not easy. Get rid of anything that stands between you and Jesus. Stop blaming God for your struggles. Stop complaining to God. Stop questioning God about why COVID is happening. Why? Is it wrong to question God? No, not at all. God can handle your questions and complaints. But the more self-absorbed we are, the less ready we, we are for what God wants to do in us and through us and around us. The more self-preoccupied we are, the less comfort we can receive. Get ready for what Jesus wants to do in you and through you. Prepare the way because the Lord is coming. That is the good news. Isaiah prophesied it. John experienced it through Jesus. And we can live in it, God's presence, Jesus' presence. Why should the people be comforted? Because the king is coming. He comes to us as we are, where we are. He comes to us in our COVID frustrations and our COVID fears. Friends, I believe, and this is my personal belief, that God wants to bring spiritual renewal to us. Since COVID began, I've had this sense, this overwhelming sense, that God wants to use this season of upheaval to call his people back to himself and to call those who don't know him to himself. God wants to do a new thing among us, and we need to prepare ourselves for him to come. Do not hide from his presence. Do not push him away. Do not push away from what God wants to do in your life because you are frustrated with your situation. Choose to meet him in the midst of your struggles. Don't make excuses. Don't put it off. Don't turn on another Netflix series. Prepare to meet Jesus now. That is where you find peace to weather the season. 
joy in spite of your circumstances, and strength to continue. What does renewal look like? Verse 4 tells us, Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain shall be made low, and the uneven ground shall become level. The rough places a plain. So what is Isaiah talking about? What's he alluding to? Now, it's been the custom for centuries for Eastern monarchs who are traveling through their their country, through their domain, to send men before them to prepare their way by removing stones, by leveling rough places, by filling up the hollows, by cleaning up the trash and litter, and generally making the road pleasant and easy for the distinguished travelers and their guests. Note, that's exactly what John the Baptist was referring to in Luke 3. He said, prepare the way, uh, prepare the people for Jesus' coming by calling them to a repent to baptism of repentance for their sins so they were ready to, to receive the message of good news that Jesus had for them. And then ultimately the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah was not telling us that we should clean up the road to Jerusalem. He was telling the people that God was going to create a new moral topography, a new social landscape, a new spiritual reality. He is saying that the world we know needs to be reordered. He is talking about fear being dispelled, depression being relieved, pride being flattened, contentious people becoming easy to get along with. Isaiah is calling for a reordering that can only be brought about by the new king who is ushering in his kingdom. If we cling to status quo, if we are too stubborn, too self-absorbed to repent, to recognize our need for forgiveness, too controlling to submit to Jesus, we miss out on the new thing God wants to do. We miss out on hope, the hope that only comes from Jesus, hope that is greater than our fears, our need for control, our shaky foundations. What is the result of preparing the way for the coming king? Verse 5 tells us, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The glory of of the Lord was revealed through Jesus. When Jesus was born, the glory of the Lord shone around the shepherds, and they were terrified by the awe and wonder of it. The Bible also says that Jesus himself is the ultimate display of the glory of the Lord. The book of John tells us that. At Jesus' transfiguration, recorded in Luke 9, his glory was unveiled. The glory of the Lord was also revealed in God's upside-down way when Jesus hung on the cross and God's grace was revealed and his forgiveness was revealed in John 13. The glory of the Lord is God making himself visible to us, living among us, God displaying his beauty before us. The true answer to our deepest longings is found in the glory of the Lord. In addition, he promises to do this for us today. He carries his glory forward through the person and work of the Holy Spirit that awakens us to the good news of Jesus. He will consummate his promise at Jesus' return when he will gather all his people to himself. All this contained in what Isaiah prophesied in verse 5. Hope is displayed through God's work in the world through Jesus. The real question today is not, what do we think will happen with COVID? The real question is, what will you do with Jesus? Will you embrace his hope? 
and come to him for the first time in your life if you don't know him? Will you return to him if you have wandered off? Will you trust him to carry, carry you through the unknown of this COVID season? Will you embrace the hope of Christmas this Christmas season? We're going to take a few moments to look at some questions of, uh, for, for reflection to see how this applies uh, to our lives. After that, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion together. So make sure to look at the questions, grab your communion supplies, and then come right back after a time of reflection.